Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, I'm privileged to welcome a dear friend, a fellow YPR, a very accomplished business from Kenya, Dhruv Pandit. Dhruv, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Motabai. Thank you. Uh, Dhruv is the CEO of the Fedha Group in Kenya, a property developer with over 50 years experience. He manages a number of residential, retail, commercial, and hospitality properties in Kenya. He has recently opened executive residency by West West by West Western and residential high-rise capital M in Kenya. And as I mentioned, he's a fellow YPO member. So Dhruv, tell me, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? Uh, thank you, Ashutosh. You really made me reflect on these questions. So I, I thought apart from the usual milestones, most people go through of marriage, children, you know, those are very dear to our hearts. Sure. Uh, but for me, it was when my uh, brother, actually, my middle brother actually passed away in a plane crash in uh, when I was about 12 years old. Wow. Um, so I was 10 years younger. I was the late, uh, late comer in the family. You can put it that way. But suddenly, you know, you can looking back uh, at that time, apart from the tragedy, it didn't really change much. But when I came back from university, I actually joined the family business perhaps five years earlier, mm-hmm. felt that obligation to come back. Um, I was tired of learning. Um, and really, that just shaped uh, everything else, I think. Um, the second milestone was being CEO of the family business at 29. Wow. Very early age, and I uh, promptly joined YPO later on, uh, which I think uh, was a co- co-located milestone, if I can put it that way, around the same age. Mm-hmm. And then uh, again, uh, when my father passed away um, 16 years ago, that was another milestone because it meant that uh, my brother and I actually had the chance to reflect on our family business. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, we felt financial services at that time wasn't uh, where we were going to be have a competitive advantage. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, being a highly regulated business um, wasn't much fun, I'll be honest, um, you know, especially when you're responsible for other people's money. So that led to the, the change a couple of years later for us to exiting those businesses, um, very successful trade sales. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where we uh, reinvested the proceeds and, you know, all of that in Kenya into our real estate businesses. So Fantastic. three very major milestones. Fabulous. And an amazing milestone. So, Dhruv, tell me about the Fedha Group. Uh, what are the range of activities you have there? So, uh, we, we, we're in the real estate business um, as developers. Uh, so, the philosophy is mainly to hold to own for the longer term. Uh, of course, tactically, you, we do sell uh, depending on the market cycle. You know, these are long cycle businesses. Um, so, that's the core philosophy. Uh, and then uh, into sectors, it's uh, residential, um, villas and apartment blocks. Uh, more apartment box these days because of densification, mm-hmm. uh, commercial buildings, a uh, little bit of retail. So we have some uh, shopping centers and uh, retail outlets in our some of our commercial buildings. Mm-hmm. And also the new, uh, relatively new is hospitality, which is apartment hotels. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was going to ask you some questions about the family banking business, but you mentioned that you, know, you wanted to exit from the whole thing. But mm-hmm. the question I want to ask you is that when you sold a family jewel. Mm-hmm. What were your lessons? So it really, uh, it's a fascinating question. Um, and, and the joke is after year, years of what I call forum therapy. So for mm-hmm. those of you who know, YPO Forum is your personal board of directors. Okay. 
Um, you know, if you'd asked me this question, uh, maybe a one or two years after the fact, I would have said that, you know, it was time, it was all about, uh, you know, um, the big banking institutions were coming into the country and you could either partner with them so, or you could compete against them. And the choice became very clear. But actually, if you ask me now, I think the big lessons were that as family businesses, we really need to understand the distinction between ownership, in other words, being shareholders and the appointment of directors uh, to, to run the businesses properly. And in a family business, it gets very confusing. Um, and really what that process taught us is that we needed to take a step back, take the emotion out of it and do what's best for the business. Mm -hmm. And if you do what's best for the business with those two governance roles that I mentioned um, really clear, the family will automatically benefit. Correct. Um, so I think that's the big, biggest uh, re revelation or revelation for us is that uh, if you always look as a stakeholder that this is a business that is a jewel, as you say, mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily have to own the jewel forever. You do what's best for the business. Everything else will follow naturally. Wonderful. Wonderful. So let's move on now to your real estate business, which is uh, what you are now doing. Uh, in most developing countries, uh, real estate has been pretty disorganized. And that's when groups like yours and you know, groups all over the all over the world in the developing world has started to change real estate. What are you doing differently for real estate in Kenya? Well, that's a fascinating question um, because as we know in real estate, really as developers, we try and hire the best consultants, but then they're consultants who work for every, anybody in the market. So what is the competitive advantage or the philosophy, I think? I think what I'm proud about is that very recently our new projects and indeed we've made a call all our future projects will be actually sustainable buildings. Um, I, I've been interestingly gotten very passionate about it, um, you know, and it's not just good for the environment. It just makes good business sense. Okay. Uh, it's a myth out there that uh, being sustainable costs more because if you really dig deep into the philosophy and you push your consultants, you can get it done at the same cost. And actually, your operating cost of these buildings um, is actually much lower and much more sustainable. So I think that's where we can claim to be a little bit in the pioneering side of things. Um, of course, within the uh, appropriate uh, market conditions, we can't do everything like perhaps a European uh, company can do, which is zero, um, zero impact on the planet or at least achievement. But we can definitely minimize. Um, and, and really, sustainable building, I think people forget. Um, is actually about healthy environments for the people who live and work in them. And that's actually the main goal um, for, for all of this. And, you know, uh, you're in commercial properties, you're in residential properties. Uh, in most countries, and I've spoken to several real estate, uh, you know, tycoons like you, um, is, there a, is there a link between the development of commercial properties and residential properties in Kenya? Um, in some way, yes. Um, I, I think I have to think about the longer cycle be before COVID because certainly, you know, what has happened in the COVID environment, this work from anywhere concept has come through. So I think it, it depends on the commute times, I think is, is there. So traditionally in Nairobi, at least, and I'm just going to put it here, um, because of the lack of uh, road infrastructure and public uh, transport infrastructure, people, if you're living away from your place of work, um, you know, your commute times can even be, you know, five hours a day, you know, it, 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 it really is a long time. So you want to try and live near where you work. So certain areas uh, which are commercially zoned, 
become automatically attractive to you know areas around that be where people want to work right uh, to live uh, close to your work um so that linkage definitely has been there from that point of view has it uh, loosened a little bit yes could it loosen even more where it goes the other way where you have smaller office hubs near the residential areas um so you may may have a small house you may have two people working there children uh, pets hardly a conducive working environment out of sort but maybe you can take a short commute to a serviced office place next to you mm-hmm. these are some of the things that i'm thinking about over the longer run but we'll have to see how the cycle plays out you know uh, i i don't think it, it's a bit too soon to discern trends i think okay and you know moving further from that you know you spoke about young people uh from what i see and and read about young people which are the millennials uh gen z are just coming in they're not buying they prefer to rent is that something similar that's happening uh in your part of the world and if so what is that going to do to the business so fascinating i i think um generally over here because the affordability is not there because of commercial uh considerations loans being very expensive you know there are only 20000 mortgages in the whole of kenya wow oh, and uh, you know it's crazy we 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 actually were one of the pioneers in our uh, in our financial institutions business uh, to do mortgages but you, you can't fight the tide as it were right um but but coming to this actually the trend is still there that i think uh, uh call them the millennials i i know many of them of that age group who hate being grouped into one catchall word so um, i'm using that uh, <laughs> i'm using that term uh, uh, just for convenience sake um will probably rent more because um you know their incomes are going to be far less uh, uh shall we say predictable mm-hmm. um their mobility will be much more i think this is the generation that are global citizens uh by nature right um very much travel oriented and you know i not even looking at a house for example or a place to live but uh, just even a car mm. would they even own a car i don't think so i mean They're you know why yeah why would they why would they even in fact uh, i'm looking at the generation beyond why would they even want a driving license mm. perhaps might be even a another question right Right. and strangely enough i'm actually seeing a similar trend a little bit it's it's i won't call it a trend but at least uh, you keep your ears open the older generation uh, say 55 60 coming to retirement um, want to be also much more less tied to these physical uh, things and want to travel a lot more the children have gone away maybe they're not coming back they're actually downsizing to more apartments actually mm-hmm. they may own it mm-hmm. uh but who wants to have the headache of locking up keys and you know if you have house staff to actually put them on leave and worry about who's going to feed the pets and you know all of these sorts of things yeah. um the freedom is going to be there so i think we it's it's uh, the market is definitely going to get more fragmented um and, and what does it mean for the institutions i think will be more asset owners and service providers mm-hmm. um but we but it's got to be a higher level quality of service as well that's the expectation so you're seeing this wonderful blur between commercial in fact um hospitality and uh, residential so we have to come with a hospitality mindset even to our commercial tenants okay now tell me about your recently opened executive residency by best western as well as your capital m 
So um, thank you for that. Uh, it, it sounds recent. Actually, I must I must actually update my resume to you okay. later on. It's actually been two or three years now, not so recent. Okay. Um, but uh, basically, we, we wanted to climb up the value chain from a normal apartment block. Uh, service departments then became uh, kind of an interesting space. Mm -hmm. But actually, pioneering became uh, an, actually an apartment hotel. So uh, the brand was the first in the world. Uh, we wanted just to step in with a three to four star brand rather than going fully five star. Mm -hmm. You know, any new venture, you know, experiment, right? And it's been very successful. Um, and again, uh, the concept is that, um, you know, most service departments, you you pay extra every day for an extra service that you want daily cleaning or whatever. Mm -hmm. You're tied into, say, a year's contract, uh, very inflexible. We flipped the model and actually said, you know what, customer is king check in for a day or check in for a year, leave, come in when you want, leave when you want. Um, and you get an apartment and you get a full hotel service, including air miles. Wow. So, so the idea is that, yes, it's a slightly higher price point, but your flexibility is so extreme that literally, um, you know, we've had people come in every day and they want a, you know, a, a, a bigger environment. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they are fully kitted apartments. Um, but our longest staying customer has been with us three years. Um, and, and actually, the business model, maybe, uh, you know, my hotel friends uh, would, would uh, cry in horror at my return per square meter, right? But at the same time, I'm de-risked. Um, last year, we stayed open, uh, despite all the uh, travel collapsing, right. uh, because our long-stay customers uh, kept us there, um, you know, kept our uh, folks in employment, which for me was the most important thing. And now we are climbing back out. So it shows the resilience of the model. Fantastic. And this kind of a model would probably be ideal for the large number of Indian tourists who go there. They can apartment yes. on rent for a week when they go yes. as tourists. So that's yes. interesting. Yeah, and so we have it. Sorry, Ashutosh. I'm just going to echo what you said. Uh, the family market is very interesting because families like to stay together, um, especially extended family, um, that sort of thing. Um, you know, this concept of adjoining rooms, the Middle East gets really well. I mean, they really do it. Mm. Uh, but still, there's that doubt in the back of your head. Do I have to cross a corridor or do I have to go somewhere? Um, here in an apartment, you are completely, and we do have two bedroom and three bedroom apartments in yeah. our new developments. No, that would be fascinating. And also tell me about Capital M. So that was a brand that we actually put together for the newest one, similar concept. Um, uh, in fact, we, we then uh, felt enough confidence with the executive residency experience. Um, it's in a different part of Nairobi. So we've actually uh, signed with another brand. So that Kaplan brand uh, was just for our architectural plans and all that. Um, we've signed with another major international brand to actually uh, open. Unfortunately, COVID happened. We would open the end of last year. Uh, hopefully end of this year, we will open um, and uh, do it. But it, it's far more luxurious concept. Uh, but I think, um, you know, we, 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 we're going to be a bit more smart about how we open just to make sure that we match uh, the demand that we expect to come back. Um, you know, vaccinations being more prevalent, uh, travel will open up again. And I think um, people are desperate to travel now, you know, and they'd want to do their bucket list items. Yeah, 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 I agree. So now, you know, one more question before I move to the next segment. Any plans to grow beyond Kenya? Um, you know, we've thought about it a lot. Um, and I think probably not. And I'll tell you why. Uh, it's the old, very, very old saying, but it's a true saying of location, location, location. Mm -hmm. 
And really, you need to pick and choose your locations. And it's becoming so um, critical that you not just think about today's, but how the infrastructure will develop around you mm -hmm. um, and, and all of this. I would say that, uh, so as direct family business, probably not. Mm -hmm. But as a family also, we're thinking of actually moving to the family office concept. Now, for me, if we move to that, then in partnership with other people, then why not? So, but it has to be somebody with that location uh, expertise in that whichever market it will be in future. Um, and frankly, let's not be greedy. Why do we have to own the whole cake? I think this, this the model has to be in future is how do we partner with the right people? How do we collaborate well to, so everybody can win? Well said. So I'm going to move on, you know, for someone who has seen so much of a transition in your family business of building such amazing properties, what are some of the core values you believe in, bro? Yeah. No, I think that that's something uh, my brother and I, Rajpai and I actually um, speak about a lot these days because um, crisis tests you, right? And uh, for, and you have to take the, the time to reflect, you know, what is the opportunity in this crisis? Um, it's something we've started uh, right at the beginning. And actually, the, the, the key concept here is... Um, we actually build relationships. Mm -hmm. We actually don't build properties, I think, because um, building properties, anybody can do, right? Um, the consultants we work with, the customers we work with, um, indeed, any other supplier or the ecosystem around us, mm. we just invest in our relationships. Um, and I'd prefer to, somebody has a challenge with us to actually email phone straight away and we try and fix the issue. Um, challenges will happen. Mistakes will happen. Mm -hmm. um, disputes indeed will happen. I mean, it is a commercial world and a volatile world, but so long as that relationship is preserved and if it has to be severed in some way, let's do it on an amicable basis. Um, let's walk away and, uh, and honestly, uh, I think for us is leave the last 5% on the table. It's not worth it to prolong uh, discussions, negotiations and the pain. Right. Um, that 5% will come back 50% in future uh, relationships. Very interesting. And one more question before I move to some questions for you personally. You know, you must be employing a very large number of people all over in different projects. What would you say is your leadership style? So actually, fascinating enough, uh, we view ourselves as uh, project managers. So actually, our core staff levels are actually quite small. Um, even the hospitality business is actually outsourced to a third management company, um, you know, to, to competency. Um, so actually, our team is not that big. Indirectly, of course, uh, you know, with the suppliers and contractors and all that, there is a, there is a floating workforce that is employed. Mm -hmm. My leadership work style, wow, that's a great question. Um, I would say consultative. Mm -hmm. uh, very flat. I, we, we, Rajpai and I are very impatient in some ways that, you know, if it takes longer than an hour or a day to make a decision, there's, there's something wrong. Okay. Um, let's get on with it. Uh, it's kind of one of the other core values. Mm -hmm. um, strategically, I think that sometimes hurts us because, you know, you, it's a true entrepreneur's dilemma, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, we're impatient, but at the same time, you find out whether your mistakes or your challenges have actually worked out later on or not. Right. Um, I think professional I, would be another one. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have zero tolerance for office politics. Okay. Uh, really, honestly, it, it, it just we just don't believe in it. Um, and I think, uh, you know, even if you speak to our staff, it's, it's like, look, let's deal with the issue. Um, and, and in some way, I think uh, uh, maybe this is, uh, we aren't growing as fast as we should. Um, you know, that's been a debate. 
for us. But on the flip side, um, I think we are extremely forgiving employers, um, you know, in the sense that, you know, you haven't met your targets. Okay, fine. You know, what do we do to make it fixed rather than changing the person or looking for somebody more aggressive? That's an amazing. Um, uh, well, yeah, it's a look, it's a double-edged sword. I, I won't say everything is hunky-dory. Oh, no, no. Um, these these are real, so real life things. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. So, Dhruva, I'm going to move to the last segment of our conversation. There are some questions for you personally. Sure. Uh, my first question is that from where you stand today, as you look back uh, at everything and as you look ahead at all the things that you want to do, what does success mean to Dhruva? Oh, wow. Good question. Um, why I'm pausing is that I don't want to give you a trite or a pre-recorded answer, if I can put it this way. Certainly been thinking about it a lot more. Um, I think success means knowing who you are, actually. And what is it all for? So, yes, definitely, um, you know, as I came back to you, you know, uh, you know, that family life, uh, you know, what are the trade-offs uh, with, with the business life as well? And also, what are you doing for yourself? I mean, I have a core philosophy that if you don't look after yourself, you can't look after other people. Mm -hmm. um, so that personal growth side has to come for it. But the underlying uh, success, I think, is, is not so much a particular goal or a particular milestone or a particular achievement. It's actually the journey. Are you actually moving moving ahead? If you're moving ahead in all spheres of your life, um, in balance, um, and that balance will change. Life will throw you off, and you will get obsessed about one thing, and then, but you have to come back and go into you know spend your time on something else and rebalance again. So for me, it's not so so much of a linear and static thing. It's it's just uh, moving. So long as you're moving ahead, and your your downs are higher than your last highs. If that sorry, are higher than your last. Highs, so you know your trend yeah. is still overall After upwards, yeah. higher um, in some way. Then I think you're progressing, and you know an artificial measure of success doesn't interest me anymore, to be honest. Very interesting. And a follow-up question to that is that who or what inspires you? I, I if I can just rephrase that slightly and say what fulfills me. Okay. Um, it's uh, you know because you know inspiration is great, but uh, it has to lead to some sort of fulfillment, sure. right? And I found myself actually uh, and loving, and this is where I think I found my third place. You know, you need a third place between uh, work and family mm -hmm. and home life. That third place, you know, for some people it's charity, for some people it's what you're doing right now. I know it's the brand called you is your third space. Mm -hmm. For me, it's YPO. And really it, why? Because I thrive on connecting people. Mm -hmm. I find that if I can connect two, two random who've never met each other for their mutual benefit, mm -hmm. right? I feel it, it sparks something nice in me. It really does. And that's why I commit a lot of time to it. And also it helps. I love connecting, joining the dots in terms of different ideas, different philosophies, concepts, um, and, and always learning from different cultures. Um, and, and frankly, um, the, the breadth of people's experiences is so huge. If you actually learn how to listen, um, I find that's an amazing challenge for me. I'm, I'm always trying to think ahead as to anticipate my response to somebody, but actually learning how to listen, which is your fantastic skill, I must say, Ashutosh, is, um, is, is a new life skill. So somewhere in there, I'm, I'm a fulfilled person. Fantastic. So I've got time for one more question. And I'm, this question is going to be on failure. Um, Excuse I'm me? On, on failure. Ah, 
uh, I have a new book coming out next week on failure. And again, my hypothesis for a long time has been that people in South Asia or Asia, or maybe even in Africa, don't teach children it's okay to fail. We're always told, come first, go to the head of the line, et cetera, et cetera. And that manifests itself in our behavior patterns. My question to you is that, what have been some of your learnings from some of your mistakes? Absolutely. And I fully believe in that core philosophy that actually it's not failure. It's actually an area of improvement. And it came much later in life, funny, funny enough, through my uh, children. The school they actually go to, that is the number one philosophy in that school. And it's changed our mindset completely. Um, so um, looking back, um, I think uh, it's sometimes doing nothing is actually a big learning, is actually a decision that you can take. Um, uh, sometimes we actually end up uh, doing things for the sake of doing things. Um, it's really hard to do, uh, is to do nothing and just sit tight. Um, and in some ways, I think that lesson has held us in good stead last year. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the other massive, uh, uh, you know, areas of improvement was actually um, was actually not sticking to values, um, you know, or or a core core discipline. If you know, you know, when you're up and coming and you want to, I would say, push the boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a very slippery slope. So, you know, we've, we've come on, on the wrong side uh, of, of actually breaking policies. Mm -hmm. And uh, and actually, nine times out of 10, it's actually fallen apart. So I've, I think, matured enough to say that, listen, debate the policy, agree a change in policy, then do what you want to do. But if you can't convince people to change the policy, then don't worry. Uh, don't. It's not worth it. Fabulous. Fabulous. Dhruv, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for taking me through this incredible real estate journey that you are going through in Kenya. Uh, and uh, I wish you lots of success with the opening of Capital M in its new avatar towards the end of this year. I'm, I'm going to look forward to receiving a message from you say we've opened. Thank you. Again. Well, no. No, thank you. And not only a message, we're open. It's a message, uh, hopefully come to Kenya, bring your family, come on safari, um, along with whoever you want to come and uh, please explore our wonderful country. We will, we will. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.